0: How was your worship for God this past year? When you think through and you evaluate how you worship God, what comes to mind? At work, at school, were you satisfied in how you studied or served as an act of worship to represent God himself? At home, how would your people describe your level of praise to God? What would your wives, your husbands, your children, your parents say about the level of worship that you demonstrate? How about on a very private level where only you and God know? What types of thoughts constantly filter through your mind? What is the prevailing thoughts that, preva- uh, that float through your mind day in and day out? And as I thought about these questions for myself, these aren't just questions for you. This, these are questions primarily that starts with me. If we're all honest with ourselves, we all need to grow in this area. I need to grow in this area. The level of praise, level of worship that we offer up to God. Therefore, as we start the New Year's, I thought it would be very fitting for us to emphasize praising God. After all, this is why we exist. After all, the first couple songs that we sung about praising God, all creatures, all creation... Is meant, are meant to praise and worship God. So we'll be at a Psalm 148 today. Instead, we'll take, we'll, be, we'll get back into Mark later on this month, and we'll be at a Psalm 148. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Psalm 148. It's basically right in the middle of your Bibles, perhaps. And Psalm 148 is the, one of the five hallelujah psalms, or the five hallelujah psalms, which conclude the book of Psalms. And there's two major divisions. The first half is commanding the heavens to praise God. The second half commands all the earth to praise God. All creatures of our God and King, right? Praise God. Hallelujah. And so this is not just an exhortation. You may feel as you read this, wow, God is commanding us. God is charging us. The preacher is charging us to praise God. But God offers us reasons to praise him. And so let's dig deep in terms of seeing our Lord as Jeremy prayed that we'll be able to see God more clearly through the preaching of his word. So if you're able to, please stand. I'll be reading and preaching at a Legacy Standard Bible as well. Psalm 148, titled Praise Yah. Verse 1, Praise Yah. Praise Yahweh from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him all His angels. Praise Him all His hosts. Praise Him sun and moon. Praise Him all stars of light. Praise Him heavens of heavens. And the waters that are above the heavens. Let them praise the name of Yahweh. For He commanded and they were created. He caused them to stand forever and ever. He gave a statute and it will never pass away. Praise Yahweh from the earth, sea monsters in all deeps, fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind doing His word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and winged bird, kings of the earth and all the peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, both choice men and, as well as virgins, the old with the young. Let them praise the name of Yahweh, for his name alone is set on high. His splendor is above earth and heaven, and he has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his holy ones, for the sons of Israel, a people near to him. Praise Yah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this precious word. Thank you for this exhortation to praise you. All creation is called to praise you. Father, I pray, Lord, that we will be able to see your face more clearly. Help us to know you more, so that we will love you more, so that we will treasure you more, so that we will worship you more. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Please have a seat. The theme, the theme of this sermon, the theme of this psalm, more importantly, is to praise Yahweh. This is the main point. This is a central theme of Psalm 148, and really the central theme of our lives. Central theme of why everything was created. It starts and ends with praise Yah. This word, pray, this phrase, praise Yah, is oftentimes left as Hallelujah or Alleluia. We sung Alleluia earlier in the Hebrew. It's Hallelujah. If you translate it literally, it means praise Yah. Yah is a shortened version of Yahweh. Alright, oftentimes in our Bibles it'll say praise the Lord instead of Yah, but praise Yah is what this says. Praise is synonymous with worship. Certainly we praise Him in songs. Certainly we praise Him in what we speak. Certainly we praise Him how we think. Certainly we praise Him how we live. Everything that we do is an opportunity to praise or worship God, Yahweh Himself. And, and praise Ya'h is referenced or praise Yahweh is referenced 12 times in these 14 verses so this is the undisputed theme uh, of this psalm anyone can know this and as you're sitting there you may be wondering why are we saying Yahweh right this is kind of I just wanted to make sure I take some time to explain Yahweh Yahweh is the personal name of God the God of the Bible the God that we serve the God of Abraham Jacob and Isaac and Jacob, this is the God that we praise, this is the God that we sing to, this is the God that we call Lord. And in Exodus 3, I took time to put this on the screen so for us to see, Moses was tasked to lead Israel out of Egypt. And Moses asked God, who should I tell the people that commanded me to do this. In Exodus 3, 14 and 15, I'll take time to read this, says, and this is God's response, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And God furthermore said to Moses, more revelation, more special revelation, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, Yahweh. Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. Yahweh is this. This is my name forever. This is God's holy name. And this is my memorial name from generation to generation. See, God wanted to make sure to uh, Moses that this is not just another God, another God in Egypt, another God in, this, in the land of Canaan. This is not just another God that was talking to Moses, who's commanding him, charging him with the task of a lifetime to lead Israel out of Egypt. He says, I am Yahweh who's telling you to do this. I am specifically telling you my name so you know who sent you who commissioned you, and the people will know who they are called to serve and to love. See, our God is very unique, similar to what we talked about on Christmas. God came and dwelt among us. God lived amongst us. God is a personal God. He tells us his name, Yahweh. Yahweh is used 6,826 times according to my calculations in the Old Testament. I could be wrong by a few, one or two, but almost 7,000 times Yahweh is used. And oftentimes in your Bibles, it's translated L-O-R-D, capital L, capital O, o capital R, and capital D, Lord. But Yahweh is the word that is in the original language. And this is the point. The more we know who Yahweh is... As redeemed men and women, we'll worship him with a greater level of intensity, greater level of passion, because we'll love him more. So the key here is, yes, the, the charge is to praise Yahweh. That is the command. But let's find out what the fuel that we need in order to raise up our level of praise. Any Christian would say, of course I want to worship God more worship and praise Him more purely, right? Of course, we, we understand that. We want to be motivated, and today's that day where we're going to learn more about Yahweh today so that we will love Him more, so we will worship Him more. All right, let's get to our first chunk of this psalm, this wonderful, this glorious psalm. Stanza 1, I'll call it, this covers verses 1 through 6. Praise Yahweh from the heavens. Praise Yahweh from the heavens. Verse 1 says this, praise Yah. Hallelujah! Praise Yahweh from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. See, the psalm writer goes to the top of creation. He goes to heaven it- itself. He goes to the third heavens, as Paul called it, described in 2 Corinthians 12 too. There's a third heavens where God lives where his holy angels reside. And then there's a second heaven, which is the physical universe or outer space as we may call it. And then the first heavens is our atmosphere, our sky. The psalm writer goes to the third heavens and makes his way down ultimately to earth. But from the top here, he says, let the angels, all the angels and the heavenly hosts praise Yahweh. Even the angels are charged to praise Yahweh. Revelation 5 says there are myriads and myriads, billions and billions of angels that are worshiping God. And this covers all classifications of angels. The seraphim and the cherubim who are singing and worshiping God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Is Yahweh the the Almighty. This includes the archangel Michael. This includes messenger angels like Gabriel that visited Mary prior to Jesus' birth. This talks about judgment angels, the angel of death that came on at Passover night and killed all the firstborn sons in Egypt. This talks about angels who are called to protect his people. Angels that watch over his people. All angels are called to praise Yahweh. In no unclear terms, this is what the Psalm is saying. And then the psalm writer descends from the third heavens to the second heavens to our, our universe, our outer space, and covers the inanimate, the sun, the moon, and all the stars, it says, are called to praise Yahweh. From the psalm writer's perspective, from earth, the sun is the greatest light. And then by night, it's the moon. And then, at, and then at, in the evening, it's, it's the stars. So he goes from the greater to the lesser again, and now we're still descending from the psalm writer's progression. And all of these things, although they cannot speak, although they don't have mouths to sing, mouths to speak, they're called to praise Yahweh. The psalm writer in verse 4 says, from the heavens of heavens, the heights of heights, in other words. There's no escaping this command. All right, there's no one, nothing created that's above this command to praise Yahweh. No one graduates from this purpose. No created thing is above praising Yahweh. Even the water vapors above the heavens are called to praise Yahweh, and they do, and they do. In verse five, this is the this is what I would like for us to understand. The big idea which you got there is, yes, all of creation, all the universe is called to praise Yahweh. I think we got that. Now, pastor, tell me, preacher, tell me why I should praise Yahweh. Verse 5, let's look at verse 5. Let them praise the name of Yahweh. What does that mean? The name is synonymous with who God is. Yahweh... His name represents his renown, his fame, his power, his might, his accomplishments, his achievements. Now we're going to learn more about who Yahweh is. Verse 5 For he commanded and they were created. For he, Yahweh, commanded and they, the stars, the moon, and the sun, were created. God spoke and they existed. This is, there's no such thing as evolution, right, folks? There's no such thing as some kind of a Big Bang theory where accidentally everything came into existence over time. That, that doesn't exist. That's a fairy tale made by man. E, general revelation, all right, doctrinal statements, general revelation is things that all people could just open up their eyes and see. Wow, there, some, creation is telling me something about God. Even non-believers know, like, this is too good. This is too perfect to to say that accidentally everything purposed itself. Even non-believers know that, okay, there must be a higher desire. There must be some kind of a God up there that created everything. It's just too perfect. Special revelation, like out of Psalm 148, says that Yahweh is the creator. See, the Bible is essential and critical so we, have, so we can receive special revelation. We need more than general revelation to be saved. We need special revelation to learn more about God. And it says that Yahweh created, he commanded, and they were created. Yahweh is the one who formed the angels and the heavenly hosts. Yahweh is the one who spoke the sun and the moon to rule by day and night on the fourth day. And also the stars, Genesis 1.16 says. And it goes on, the psalm goes on to say, he caused them to stand forever and ever. He gave a statue, it will never pass away. We could count on the fact that the sun was going to rise this morning, could we not? Tonight, we could count on the sun setting as well. You know why? Because God told the sun to orbit our our earth, to orbit the sun and to rotate just at the right speed. And it's been doing that since the beginning of creation. This is why we could count on the sun, like clockwork, setting and rising in the morning. Because God told it to. This is because God told it to. And God is really the author of physics Science, all all, all the laws, and only he could break these things. God is our creator. Yahweh receives praise and worship from the sun, the moon, and the stars who have no mouths to speak when they just simply obey what he told them to do. This is the greatness of our God. He, He doesn't need mouths to praise him, although he gifted us with mouths to praise him through song and through our speech. But even these incredible creations worship and praise God by simply doing what they've been designed to do. They reflect God's power, God's creative genius, his precision, his craftsmanship, his beauty, his might. It's all showing every time you look at the the sun. This is what God is telling us. So what a great creator that we have as God. And the psalm writer, I believe, is making an exhortation to us from the greater to the lesser. I mean, think about it. Our planet is dwarfed by many suns and stars out there. We're nothing. Our planet is like dust in, in, in the face of the universe, the second heavens. We, and as people, we're not even a speck of dust in that. So, if the stars and the moon and the stars, the billions and billions of stars of the universe, are praising God, who are we that we sh- wouldn't? There's an exhortation that the psalm writer is given to from the greater to the lesser. And how do we praise Yahweh? How do we worship Yahweh? Church, this is what you'd be wondering okay, what does it look like for us? By simply obeying what God's word says. God has given us special revelation through his written word right here, our li- the living word, the Bible. We need to reflect our worship by how we eat, live, and our, the word of God. This is how it works. And it's really living our lives this year and forever, not according to our wills, but according to what God wants. This worships God. So this year, As a word of application, would you commit yourselves to being in the Word of God? It's hard to receive the revelation if we're not in the Word of God. Would we commit to opening up the Bible and getting in a daily Bible reading plan, reading a portion of Scripture every day? Perhaps you just start out with reading a psalm a day. How about that? How about you catch up on the bulletin of what is going to be preached this on the next Lord's Day, and you, you just read that portion week, day after day. You familiarize yourself with it, and you prepare yourself to hear the word preached on the Lord's Day. Those are really two simple, practical things that you can do. And then perhaps you go deeper. Some of us will go deeper into this as the Lord moves us to do this. But let's just commit to reading a portion of Scripture every day. And if, uh, if you have a family, brothers, lead your families in doing this. You don't need to be a master teacher. Simply by praying and opening up the Word, any of us could do this. Let's just read some portion of Scripture to our families every day. I think we could do that. I think we could do that and then see what the Lord would do with that. Let's get to the second portion of our psalm here. stands in number 2, which covers verses 7 to 13. Praise Yahweh from the earth. Praise Yahweh from the earth. Now the psalm writer descends us from the third, second. Now we enter into first heavens, into our atmosphere, into our level to the earth. This is where the charge begins for us in our home here on earth. But the psalm writer starts from differently from the uh, from the heavens. In the heavens, he started from the top down. The psalm writer on earth starts from the bottom up. And I'll show you what I mean. He starts with the Earth's topography here, Verse seven, "Praise Yahweh from the earth. Sea monsters in all deeps, the deepest portions of the oceans, as low as you could go, are, are charged to praise Yahweh. Fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind, doing His word. The weather patterns and weather phenomenons of the, of the planet are called to praise Yahweh. Mountains in all hills. Now we ascend to the mountains. The earth, the deepest portion of the earth is called the Challenger Deep. It's in the Pacific Ocean. It's roughly 36,000 feet below sea level. 36,000 feet below sea level. Some people have gone there with these their little water ships. And the highest point of the earth is Mount Everest. Mount Everest ascends to 29,000 feet. So from 29,000 feet above sea level to 36,000 feet below level. Everything is called to praise Yahweh. There's no escaping them. The sea monsters, the weather patterns, everything on earth. And then the psalm writer transitions from topography to the created order here. Verse 9. From fruit trees and all cedars, the uh, the plant kingdom. Beasts and all cattle, the animal kingdom. Creeping things and winged birds, more animal kingdom. And then the psalm writer goes from plants, animals now to the highest, the crowning achievement of God's creation, man. From, from plants to wild animals that live in the jungle, and the forest, the bears, to tame, domesticate animals like cattle and sheep and other things, to man, everything in between are called to praise Yahweh. Verse 11, kings of the earth. Doesn't matter if you're a king. You do do not graduate from this command. And all peoples, all nations, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, as that theme was coming up with Pastor Ron. Princes and all judges of the earth. Doesn't matter how prominent you are, how wise you are, what type of leadership role you have. You're called to praise Yahweh. Both choice men as well as virgins, men and women. Doesn't matter. We're all called to praise Yahweh. The old with the young. Every single one of us are called to praise Yahweh. Now, got a question for us. Let's just take a little break from Psalm 148. How would you answer this question, church? What is the difference between man, the highest creation of God, and the rest of creation on Earth. What is the difference between man who is made in God's own image? That's why we are the highest creation for God. What is the difference between man and the rest of creation on Earth? How would you answer that? Well, answer that I have, perhaps this will complement what you say, or even add to what you, you came to mind. Is the will? Man has been given an active will. We have will. We have a, a, the will, the a choice, the reasoning ability to choose to do something or to not to do something. The lightning and thunder shout about Yahweh's power. The height of Mount Everest screams of his towering majesty. The orchards demonstrate God's loving provisional care as He provides food for His people. The lion roars in the jungle of the fierce nature of Yahweh. Why? Because Yahweh told Him to. That's why. They just do what they've been told to do and they do it faithfully. Although we have, this, our creation is corrupt by sin, things aren't the same as perhaps perfect as they would be, but they're doing what God has told it to do. But man is given an act of will, and we decide if we will worship God or not. That's the difference. This is the difference. Sin has darkened our will. Sin has darkened our vision. Sin has got our eyes from the heights of heaven to things of the earth. We're enamored with lesser things of of God. We're enamored by the creation rather than the creator. Sin has done this to us. We've got blurry vision. We've got spiritual glaucoma. We cannot see like we used to be able to see before the fall. Yesterday I took my boys and uh, we went to go to a kind of a card convention, sports cards. You know, this is it's amazing how things come around. You know, as children I used to love collecting baseball cards and football cards and things like that and And these kids, you know, they're amazing. They ask the the most amazing questions. They ask me, Papa, who do you think is the greatest quarterback of all time? Who would you pick first on your team? Would you pick Larry Bird or Magic Johnson? Like, who would you pick? Things like that. They weren't going to the archives. They they, they even talked to, at my era that I grew up with, do you like Joe Montana or Tom Brady better? I mean, those sort of questions again. Who do you think is the greatest of all time? The GOAT. Who is the greatest of all time? I mean, we talk about things like this at our house, you know. We do, we do talk about other things in the Bible, you know, these things come up, you know. If you're wondering, they asked this, and I've asked this question too when I was a And I still perhaps entertain these discussions and these controversies, you know, who would you pick? Who's better? Man loves to rate and rank. This is how we are. This is, we're built to worship and to admire even athletes and other people, skilled peoples, Right? We love to pay homage and give acknowledgement. Yeah, he's the goat. He's the greatest of all time. We love to do that. Well, verse 13 here, drawing eyes back to Psalm 148 says this Let them, man, praise the name of Yahweh. Why? For his name alone is set on high. He is the greatest of all time. He is the goat. There's no one that surpasses God. He has no rivals. He has, there are no uh, uh, controversies about this. God alone, His name alone, is set on high. And He goes on to say His splendor, His glory, His majesty is above earth and heaven. Yahweh is relevant no matter where you go. You can go to the bottom of the ocean; he's relevant. You can go to the top of Mount Everest; he's relevant. You can go to outer space and out of our solar system; he's relevant. You can go up to the throne room of God; he's relevant. See, the issue is all these people that my kids and others have talked to me about. So over time, we don't get—we lose our relevancy. Over time, there's better people that come by. There's other eras, different trends. All that stuff changes. But God himself is relevant forever. And this is the reason why God gives us, to praise him. He is the greatest of all time. Do we see this? Do we see this? He is the most glorious And our role as people of God or just people in general is to glorify him. This is why we were created, and we get to reflect them. As I think about Evergreen Church, as we move into this new year, we're moving with three less full-time pastors that we had from last year. We are, just to remind us of that, you know. And it's a work of God. I have 100% confidence in that. And I, and I have 100% confidence that these three men are doing and moving in the direction that God has called them to. I expect great things on both sides. But one of the blessings that's going to come out of it for our church family is this. It's going to be obvious to everyone that we're going to need more lay people leading. More lay people are called to serve. And, and knowing our church family, we respond. We know how to do this. And, 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 but the issue is not, isn't necessarily will we get the help that the church needs. You know, that's really not the bigger question. The bigger question in my mind is this. Will we worship God as we serve him at Evergreen Church? It's the heart. Anyone could do this or that. But it is the heart. What What is motivating us to serve? Whether it's at church whether it's at work, whether it's at home, maybe even your own thought life. What is going through your mind and your heart? This is the issue. Man looks at the outward appearance, but Yahweh looks at the heart, the Bible says. Man is is looking to do things which is, our, which is good, but God is looking to see what is motivating him or her to move. And make no mistake about it, we need help. This is a good thing. I think God is discipling us through this, but... The bigger issue is not necessarily just doing. Are you motivated or am I motivated? Literally, as I'm preaching, am I preaching for God's glory or my own glory? As you serve in whatever gifting God has given you, what are opportunities He's you you? Is it for you or for to, to please the person that's asking you? Or is it literally just, I want to worship you in this, Lord. I want to get my worship on. I want to get my worship on. This is for you, Lord. Now I get it. We all battle sin and temptation. I literally, as I come up here every week, I'm praying, Lord, guard my heart from sin. Guard the music leaders from sin. Guard the pulpit chair from sin. I mean, it's a constant battle. So I get it. There's going to be moments, there's lapses of this for all of us. But it's about the heart. Do we see ourselves as trying to glorify God? What does it mean to glorify God? In a simple way, I've said this many times to our church, but I say this a ton of times to my own family, is to make God look good. It's to make God look good, just like the stars make God look amazing. Just like the lion, when he roars, it makes God look amazing. Just like as I saw some videos of some people scaling Mount Everest, that view is breathtaking. You cannot deny God's existence. Our hope, no matter how the function turns out or or the the service turns out, is to glorify God. And perhaps it doesn't work out when God is interested in demonstrating the grace that he's shown in your life. By you demonstrating patience or a level of humility. Right? That is lifting up the gospel. To church, this is a big portion of what we're talking about. Do you want... Relevant preaching? I mean, this is very relevant for our church here. And, but more importantly, we're going deeper. We're doing some heart surgery here. The reason why we do this is more important. I'm gonna, I got one last point here before we get to communion. Just to review the Psalm one Psalm 148 gives us two compelling reasons to praise and worship Yahweh. One, he is the creator, right? We we made that very clear out of Psalm 148. We worship and we praise Him because He is the creator of all things. That's reason number one. Reason number two is this. Why do we praise and worship Yahweh? He is the greatest of all time. There's none more glorious than Him. If you like looking at people who've done great things, that's wonderful. But that should demonstrate God's glory as they have been gifted with that opportunity, they've been gifted and providentially given circumstances that worked out well for them to do those things. Just let's not forget that it's all about God. And either of these two would merit praise, I and mean, that alone—those two alone—should be like we're on our knees, saying, "Praising God." But the psalm writer gives us the most compelling reason to, for the very end here in verse fourteen, and this reason is going to ignite. An eruption of praise for Him, forever and ever. The climax, verse fourteen: Praise Yahweh from the holy ones. God will receive praise from the holy ones. Let's read verse fourteen. This is talking about the redeeming work of God, and He, Yahweh God, has raised up a horn for His people. What does this mean? Like. This horn. Think of a ram and its horns. The horns represent the ram's power, strength, and might and conquest, how to defend itself. What this is saying in verse 14 is God has raised up strength and conquest and victory for his people, not every person, but for his people specifically. And this psalm could have been written in the context of when Israel was downtrodden, with the people of the nations coming against them. And this means a lot more when you're downtrodden. Well, think about what Matthew 5 says in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the lowly, for they shall inherit the earth. A horn is raised up for his people. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God's people are lifted up. And because of that, verse 14 goes on to say, Praise for all his holy ones, meaning the, the redeemed, the elect, the saints, the beloved are given reasons to praise Yahweh in a deeper way that the sun and the moon and the stars cannot. Yahweh has raised me out of the pits. Yah has elevated me to sonship. Yahweh has credited me with a spiritual inheritance. Yahweh has embraced me into his arms as his own. We're God's special people. Those of us who are in Christ, we're God's chosen and special people. This is the most compelling reason why we praise Yahweh. God has saved us. God has redeemed us. And really, the earth, as on the map, on the space map, it's very insignificant. It's insignificant. But the earth is the center stage of all creation. What do I mean by that? Well, 1 Peter 1.12 says the angels long to look at what's happening on, at, on earth. All the creation is looking on at what's happening in, on earth. This is the stage where God himself accomplishes his crowning achievement. This is you and I, those who are in Christ and all the other Christians around the world from present and past and future are God's crowning achievement. Yahweh himself came in the flesh, and died for his people, for those he spoke into existence, his holy ones, his people near to him. The Bible says, "What a savior! What a God! This is what other God would do such a thing." And this is the crux. This is a centerpiece. This is the crown jewel of what Christianity is all about. That God himself, Yahweh himself, became a man, lived a perfect life pay the price for sins on the cross, died, died, and was raised to life on the third day. This is what Christianity is all about. This is what we're going to celebrate here at the communion tables in a moment here. If I want to read, I told you that there will be an explosion of praise. Brother Nick read this for us. I want to read this for us. Revelation 19, 1 through 6. After these things, I heard something like a loud voice of a great crowd in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Or praise Yah! Salvation and glory belong to our God. God has given us salvation. God deserves all the glory. Because His judgments are true. He will judge rightly and righteous. For He has judged the great harlot, God's enemies on earth, who was corrupting the earth with her sexual immorality. He has avenged the blood of his slaves shed by her hand. God will avenge his people. God will raise up a horn for his people. And the second time they said, Hallelujah! Praise Yah! Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders, which I believe represents the church, and the four living creatures, angel beings, fell down and worshipped God who sits on the throne saying... Amen. Hallelujah. Praise Yah. And a voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to our God, all you his slaves, you who fear him, the small and the great. Then I heard something like a voice of a great crowd, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, as Pastor Ron talked to us about. Like the sound of many waters. Like the sound of mighty peals of thunder. See, these sounds from nature, sounds of creation, describe what praise looks like. Sing, hallelujah, praise Yah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. This is the chorus, this is a song that all Christians will be singing for eternity eternity, forever and ever. And we certainly do that right now when we sing together. We certainly do that when we take communion together. But more practically, in our day-to-day, we meet here for about an hour and a half. The rest of the hours are spent at home. The rest of the hours are spent at work. And some of the hours are just spent in, in our own minds, in our own thought life. What an exhortation to praise God. There is no domain, even in our thought life, that is exempt from that charge to praise Yahweh. Amen? Let's just pray briefly. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for the opportunity to preach on Psalm 148. Lord, I pray that we will see you, Yahweh, as greater and greater. Thank you, Father, for this time to preach on Psalm 148. May you generate greater worship for you because we see you more grander and more greater and more glorious. And I pray that we would treasure and cherish our salvation more and more every day. In Jesus' name, amen.